Welcome to the 49ers Camelot Show. I am excited to have you join us today, and I'm really excited about our guest. Akash Inavarathan is here. You know him from Niners Nation. You know him from Twitter. You've seen, you've heard him on KNBR. You've seen him all over the place. He does great work. Akash, how's it going, man? Thanks so much for joining us. Of course, appreciate you for having me, and uh, thank you for the kind words. It's yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's probably the best part about uh, 49ers Twitter, just being able to connect with different people and being able to hop on podcasts like this. And even though it's the offseason, there's always there's always stuff to talk about. Yeah. And people are really, you know, like I, I just started this a little bit over a month ago. And so being brand new right out of the gate and, you know, and I'm talking to John Chapman about it and he goes, hey, I want to be your first guest. And, and I was like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and so. You know, he, he was real good, uh, had Matt Barrows uh, just a couple of days ago. So he uh, it, it's just really cool how so many established people are willing to help newer podcasts. And, and I think that that's really fun. And and uh, I know I appreciate that. And so uh, I, I have uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I have uh, how you can follow Akash on Twitter. It actually says follow Akash at at, but um, if you're not watching, it's it's uh, Akash is on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. So Akash A-N-A-V, all right? So you probably are already following him. And one of the reasons I wanted him on here is because he is absolutely one of the best follows on Twitter. I Akash, I am always like, you post these things and I'm like, good grief, man, you, you do your homework because <laughs> you don't just, you're not like me that just puts out, Hey, here's what I'm thinking or news that's already been recycled. You put out things that, that like take time looking up. And I appreciate that because that's, I, I write for 49ers web zone. And so, and I've used your stuff a lot, whether it's in a mailbag or, writing you know an, a, an article or something like that i will use your posts often you know or quote you and because i think that you put out some really good stuff so do you put a lot of time into that don't you <laughs> first off appreciate it and second yeah i think now i've been doing this for about six seasons i basically started at the same time kyle shanahan did and so you know over the years i've just gotten better and better at like identifying where to go to find what type of data, right? Whether it's PFF on a week to week basis or sports info solutions is huge. Now um, just using the different analytics websites to find different stats or different data to be able to help drive a point or an argument um, has kind of been my main go-to. And then on yeah. a week to week basis, also try to watch the games again. And that's something I've definitely learned more and more and still I'm learning for sure. And so, I think just trying to take that approach has been uh, helpful because at the end of the day, you have some sort of number, or some fact that you can always kind of lean on in, uh, in some sort of debate. So, yeah, that's kind of how I've approached it. Yeah, that's great. And that's very helpful. So let's jump right in because I know that you not only have great information, but you have great insight as well. So you recently tweeted something from Albert Breer about the 49ers being contenders for uh, free agent safety, Jesse Bates. Do you think that the 49ers are going to make a play for a big name like Jesse Bates? Or do you think they go back to what they've normally done, which is 
not go after the day one big name players? I think they've got one splash signing in them. I just don't know necessarily where it's going to be either. I feel like it's going to be along the defensive line, but I think safety is also a possibility. And I think that ultimately will give us an idea of what Steve Wilkes views this, you know, how he views this defense. Uh, Typically, especially in Carolina, a lot of cover three, a lot of single high safety looks. And that's, you know, good for Talano Funga because that generally means he's going to play more around the box and around the line of scrimmage. And that means you need the other safety to be sort of your roaming center field type safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the Tashawn Gibson available on the free agent market said he's not going to retire, would have some interest coming back. Jimmy Ward, kind of the same thing. Um, but his, you know, we'll see what happens with his market. I think his decision is going to be based more financially, especially at this point in his career. And so yeah. I can see the 49ers making a splash play there. Jesse Bates kind of fits that mold of someone that plays a lot of single high has the speed and the ability to, you know, uh, cover a lot of ground. So I can see that happening, but he is going to cost a pretty penny. And I think uh, in Albert Breer's article, he mentioned a couple teams. I think he said like Cleveland, San Francisco, and I forgot the other team, but there are a couple other teams listed. I think Cincinnati is going to let him walk just because they have a lot of high, pr- high priced guys that they need to take care of. And so Bates is going to hit the open market. We'll see what happens. And uh, similar to last offseason when the 49ers made a splash play for Mooney Ward, which turned out to work out well, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of just plugged their roster with different different guys. I, I see them taking a similar approach this yeah. season. And so, you know, to answer your original question, yes, I do think there's going to be a splash signing. I think personally think it's going to be along the defensive line, but wouldn't be surprised to see if it's at safety. Okay. You think defensive tackle or edge or what do you think there? I've had conversations with David Lombardi who covers the the team for the athletic and uh, we've been going back and forth on, you know, should that splash play be at edge or D tackle? And I think we both kind of agree that ultimately I think it's going to be at edge rusher. And and I think that's determined by the availability of different players. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at the D tackle market, it's kind of top heavy. You've got Javon Hargrave, Draymond Jones. There's like a couple names at the top who are probably going to get paid a lot. You know, we're thinking north of $20 million annually. Holy cow. And the edge market just continues to, you know, get bigger and bigger. You know, right. Players continue to get released. It's a long list of names. And I think the 49ers can really find some value there. So I think they go the veteran edge route and just try to find, you know, continue to do the same thing that they've done at defensive tackle, which is continue to find a stopgap one-year option, maybe draft some additional players alongside Eric Armstead. But, I think that high price signing probably comes at edge, not D tackle. Okay. And that was one of the questions that I, that I was going to ask was, um, was, do you think that they'll bring in a starter for edge or do you think that they go with Drake Jackson? But if, if you think that they might go splash with edge, then what do you think? They just continue to develop Drake Jackson and work him in uh, where they can. I think so. And Drake Jackson, you know, was inactive the last four or five games of the season. I think he hit a point where it's tough for rookies. You you know, in college, you play 10, 11 game schedule, 12 max. If you get to, you know, the college football playoffs and in the NFL, you know, the 49ers played a 20 game slate last season. And it's hard for rookie to be able to keep up with that. And especially Drake Jackson, who had gone through a lot of, you know, weight changes and was playing a little bit out of out of size. And so, you know, if you follow him on social media, you know that he's still in the Bay Area. 
in the offseason. He's in the facility basically every day. They've got him on a, you know, a strength train, strength training and weight program this offseason to try to get him into shape for next season, which is probably his his biggest thing. I do think they're they're gonna feature him. And when I say splash signing, I don't think they're gonna go out and sign some for you know twenty million dollars plus. I just think they're gonna go out and sign one of these more veteran guys that maybe just got yeah. released that can come in and give you five, six, seven sacks opposite of Nick Bosa. Um, so I could see them going going that route for sure. But I don't think that means that they don't believe in Drake Jackson. I think it's always good to have <laughs> tons of edge rushers, as we saw, you know, with the Eagles, who were just able to throw body after body after body. And yeah. the 49ers since 2019, their defensive line has been deep, and it's been a good unit because of Chris Kassarek and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. But it's just quite not – it doesn't have the, the top-end talent that they did in 2019 when right. that unit dominated. And I think they need to try to get back to that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And and Jackson did show flashes, but uh, like you said, he kind of down down the stretch wore down some, and uh, and still has some development that that uh, that needs to take place. If the 49ers don't go with somebody like Jesse Bates uh, at at the free safety position, do you what do you think? Uh, obviously. It, for me, I would rather see Jimmy Ward come back than to Sean Gibson, but you know, it's going to come down to, to price. Originally it sounded like Ward was not coming back, but he seems to have softened on that a little bit, but do you have a preference on which one you you'd like to see back? I mean, if, if, you know, monetarily all things were equal, I'd love to see Jimmy Ward back, of course. Um, but I thought Deshaun Gibson played well. And he was he was an excellent run defender, excellent tackler. Uh, was just a sound player. I know the 49ers defensively um, were in the bottom 10 defending deep passes. I think that was just a struggle last season. Whether mm-hmm. it was Gibson, Hufunga, uh, Lenore, their corners, it just seemed to be a struggle. Um, that's something they'll definitely need to improve upon. And, you know, Steve Wilkes with his defensive uh, backs um, background right. should certainly yeah. help that. So um, if all things money were equal i'd probably lean ward but i do i do think with money factoring in i think they probably go the probably you know would want to re-sign to sean gibson on a one-year deal um something you know something fairly cheap and then look to draft a safety because it feels like they've met with a lot of the the mid-round safety candidates and Mm -hmm. you know i think tarverius moore was probably the last safety that they took in that third round and that in that day two spot and I think they go back to the well, see if they can draft another safety, have them learn, you know, similar to what Hufunga did under Tart, and then have that player then take over. Yeah. So I, I could see that path being the most, you know, fiscally responsible as well as, you know, kind of setting yourself up for the future. Okay. That's good. Uh, good insight. Y- you talked about money. So where do the 49ers stand salary cap wise? And how does that rank uh, with the other teams in the league? Absolutely. So the 49ers right now, I think they've got 49 players under contract, and I think they've got a, a shade over $7 million in cap space. Um, and this doesn't include the deal that they uh, handed out for Colton McKivitz. So we'll, we'll see what his cap hit is. I think it's going to be around $2 million, a little less. Um, so, you know, take that into account um, when factoring cap space. Obviously, you know, you can always add additional cap space through restructures. Um, last season, they did that kind of right around this time. Uh, they restructured a few contracts. Mm-hmm. Last season, the different difference was they were over the salary cap. So when the new league year begins, you have to be under the salary cap. 
and the 49ers weren't. So they restructured a bunch of contracts. They got way under the salary cap. And then they went out and they made the moves for, you know, Mooney Ward, George Odom, Oren Burks, all those guys. And this season, the difference is they're already under the salary cap. They're, like I said, they're about $7 million under. And so my guess is they're going to wait, you know, through this week to get an idea of what free agents they're, you know, about to land and then restructure contracts to be able to open up the right amount of money. And I'm sure they've got all mm-hmm. those plans worked out and they know exactly what they're going to do. It's just a matter of, you know, what free agents they're able to sign and I'm sure they'll execute upon those. And there's about four or five guys, you know, we we know the names that are potential restructure candidates. And so we'll see what they do. But right now they stand at about seven, seven million. Okay. So you talked a little bit about secondary defensive line. Are those the biggest holes that they need to fill? Or do you see any other positions being equally as big? I think uh, defensive line is probably the biggest priority in that, you know, going into last season, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have thought that because it's, you know, year in year out, it's the deepest position group on the team, but they just seem to lack the high end talent opposite Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. They've, they've got a lot of these one year guys, right? Whether that's, it was Arden Key a couple years ago. It's been Charles Amenahu the last kind of year and a half, or it's been Samson Ebukam, who's also a free agent these last few years. It's been guys like Kevin Givens and, you know, unfortunately, Javon Kinlaw, I think we we all kind of slotted him in to kind of fill some of that void, but injuries and he just hasn't been able to, you know, be that for them. So I think that's probably your biggest need. And then this, the second thing probably is offensive line. I think it's probably the trenches. And obviously, Jake Brendel's a free agent. I would think he comes back um, just because he's an older, older player, one year starter. Mm-hmm. I think the 49ers can bring him back. I think he likes being here. And then, uh, obviously, on the, the right side of the offensive line, right tackle, I think Mike McGlinchey walks in free agency. I think tackle just one of those positions. There's more demand than supply. He's an above-average starter. Um, and so I think he's going to get paid, similar to what Lincoln Tomlinson did last season. And I think the 49ers right now probably think Colton McKivitz can fill that role. I imagine, that, I imagine they'll look around in free agency, see if they can find a replacement, or they'll you know draft another prospect there. Mm-hmm. So. I think offensive defensive line probably are the biggest priorities in my head um, okay. outside of secondary. Okay. So ESPN's Jeremy Fowler mentioned the 49ers as a possible landing spot for Baker Mayfield as a number three quarterback. I really doubt that Baker Mayfield's going to want to be a number three. Uh, what do you, what did you think about that? And is there any scenario that you would be open to Baker Mayfield? Obviously, on on Friday, uh, the world found out that Brock Purdy had a successful surgery, so he's looking at six months before being back. You know whether he's ready to start the first week of the regular season. I, I'm a little skeptical of that, but it seems like to me they're going to stay with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy as QB one and two. So if Mayfield did come, it would be as a number three, but. What do you what did you think about that uh, that that report? I, I mean, he's probably going to want a lot of money, and he's probably not going to be a want to be a number three, right? You would think, and and honestly, Baker Mayfield kind of revived his career um, in those last how many ever games he played with the Rams. I thought he actually played particularly well. He had a couple of yeah. time games. I thought he played. I think he played on Christmas, and there was a Thursday night game. I think, mm-hmm. and they ended up winning both of those. And I thought he just kind of looked. Like he can operate the offense, right? The Sean McVay offense. 
and obviously similar scheme here in San Francisco. And I think in a perfect world, if um, you know you were to get him for less than five million dollars, and he's willing to come and compete to be your backup quarterback, and you know be a high end, high level backup quarterback, then I think you would think about it. Um, you know, back to your point about Brock Purdy's successful surgery. You know, I it is a success right now, but you just never know how rehab plays out. If there's going to be setbacks or whatever, six months right. is a long time. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's, it's just hard to project. I think there is a lot of positivity and the hope is that he'll be back, but you just never know. And so I think that's when 49ers, when you're at the combine, you just got to, you know, touch base on all types of situations. You got to see mm-hmm. you know, if Brock Purdy's surgery doesn't go well. Like, you know, who, who are the options to come in and be a backup or to compete with Trey Lance in case, you know, he gets hurt or doesn't look good or whatever the case is. And so I imagine that's the time they probably looked into Baker Mayfield, but given the news about Purdy, even though his, his rehab is, is quite long, you don't know how it's going to end up playing out. I can't see Baker Mayfield just accepting, you know, um, a four or $5 million contract to compete, to be the backup. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause it's not competing right. to be the starter or, yeah. or, you know, you're not one injury away from playing. Now it's, now it's like two injuries. Right. And so I have a hard I have a hard time seeing that. I think Baker Mayfield probably has other opportunities. And so now if you're the 49ers, you're kind of one step lower. You're probably looking at the Andy Dalton, the Mason Rudolph, the Mariota, the you know, kind of that level of player. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably what you're looking at. And I think the 49ers probably feel comfortable with that at this time, given what you know Brock Purdy's surgery result was. It wasn't Tommy John, it was just the internal brace. And I imagine they draft another guy or sign an undrafted free agent because typically they have four guys coming to camp. And so I probably see that as kind of the their path in the quarterback room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, do you think the 49ers still believe in Trey Lance? Ooh, good question. Um, I think they do. I think they do. I mean, when they, you know, traded three first round picks to get up to number three. And ultimately, their evaluation led to Trey Lance. I do think they believe in Trey Lance. Um, I think they believe him and believe in him as a person, as a as a um, leader, as someone that they think you know is extremely intelligent, can pick up the offense. But at the same time, I, I do think, kind of given what they saw in training camp in preseason, um, you know, to kind of start out that season, which was unfair because it was in a monsoon and he only played a quarter, felt like Kyle Shanahan didn't completely trust him to run the offense yeah and we saw you know kind of a a shift when jimmy garoppolo came in it just felt like the passing offense opened up a little bit more and then it took another step when brock Purdy came into play and it just felt like kyle shanahan was more in his element as a play caller with Mm -hmm. those two guys at quarterback than he was with trey lance and obviously mixing in the quarterback run game and that was probably the biggest sign that shanahan didn't necessarily trust lance to you know um run the full drop back passing offense because otherwise why would you run him as as much as he did given the fact that I think Trey Lance <laughs> probably isn't as dynamic of a runner as I thought or as we thought he would be mm-hmm. um, he's more of a scrambler or someone that can maybe create yards when plays break down but in designed runs he just doesn't have the speed to quite get out to the edge or, or he didn't display that last season um, yeah and every time he'd run him bet- between the tackles you know you always you just risk injury and that's how we ended up getting hurt. So just a tough spot. I do think they believe in him. I think he, you know, really needs to be able to take another step this off season. And Mm -hmm. it's hard, right? It's, 
you know, last season he was kind of given the opportunity to be the starter, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, they didn't bring him back. Brock Purdy wasn't really a thing. This was Trey Lance's team going into the offseason. He had all the all the opportunity, and it just didn't quite click the same way it did for Brock Purdy. And yeah, you know, he's still he's still young, 22, 23 years old. There's still an opportunity for him. He's been he's you know he's been given that just because of the injury to Purdy. So let's see if he can go out and seize the moment here. But I do still think they believe in him. I, I don't think it's anything like that. But I do think now it's Trey Lance's job to go prove why he deserves to be the starter. Whereas last offseason he was kind of handed that job. And so he just had to run with it and just didn't quite do that. And then obviously got hurt. Yeah. And, you know, it's just taking a completely different turn now. Yeah. And, you know, I remember in that Chicago game, just watching uh, Justin Fields get out on the edge and take off. And you're like, man, he's fast. And then when Lance would do it, it was like he was running just in a little mud. Hesitant. Yeah. yeah. And he just, he wasn't as fast. And so, that was kind of when I started going, okay, yeah, as far as mobility, he's not the runner that Justin Fields is, but that's that's all right. I I think that we all wanted a mobile quarterback, you know, emphasis on quarterback, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm totally fine with that as long as he develops. So if Brock Purdy is healthy, is he QB1? That's the first part of the question. The other part is... If Brock Purdy's QB1, let's say that he's, because uh, Matt Barrows told me that he thinks that it's probably going to be a few weeks into September. So he thinks that Trey Lance is going to play the first three or four games. If that happens and Trey Lance plays really well, knowing Kyle Shanahan's affinity for staying with a hot hand, even if Purdy's the guy, when he becomes healthy and he's ready, does he step right back in if Trey Lance has played really well? I don't think so. I think that is kind of your ideal scenario if you're the 49ers. Trey Lance takes a step this offseason, and because of the injury to Brock Purdy, you don't necessarily have to worry about this like quarterback controversy. You don't. It's not mm-hmm. a true competition because you can just say that Brock Purdy's rehabbing. He's just working on his elbow. He's getting better. Trey Lance is getting better. And then we'll see. If he's able to come out these first few games in September, plays well, they win. Kyle Shannon is going to continue to ride with the hot hand. And as we've seen, unfortunately, with the 49ers, it feels like you need multiple quarterbacks <laughs> every season because yeah. inevitably, you know, one of these guys ends up going down and someone else has to step in. So I think you just kind of look at it holistically. And right. if you're a 49ers fan, you're rooting for both of these guys to be successful because, you know, more than likely both of them are going to have to end up playing at some point mm-hmm. just given what we've seen. And so ultimately you want pretty healthy and kind of playing at the level he did last season, Trey Lance taking a step in the passing game and also improving and ultimately living up to that hype because there's things physically that Trey Lance can do that Brock Brady just cannot, you know, yeah. Trey Lance is bigger, stronger, right. Has a better arm, uh, can make throws on the field that Brock Brady just can't. And, you know, that's not Brock Brady's fault. It's just, you know, this is his physical limitations. And so you're you're hoping that Trey Lance can develop as a passer and, and ultimately just run with this. And so you don't have to look back. And so we'll see if that happens. That I think time will just tell. Um, we'll get an idea as we head into training camp. And, you know, we get those reports about his accuracy. And, and we head into preseason. We'll see with our own eyes, you know, what, what the development has been. And then 
we'll see when the real games begin. So I think that's the hard part. You've got you've got a team that's ready to win now, and you've got this quarterback mm-hmm. that's you know just instability. You just don't know yeah. what the answer is. The most important position in sports, and I think that's one of the most interesting storylines, but also the most difficult, just given the fact that their roster is so ready to win. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like what you say that it's, it would be the best case scenario if just as Brock Purdy took the opportunity and seized it, if Trey Lance did the same and, and just never gave Brock Purdy that, uh, that opportunity again. So you mentioned that you came in about the time that Cal Shanahan did. So <laughs> if that's the case, you, you may not remember this, but there was a lot of discussion when Jim Harbaugh was uh, was in San Francisco, that the 49ers signed Patrick Willis to a big contract, and there was skepticism that the 49ers would be able to also pay Navarro Bowman. I kind of wonder, now they ultimately they did, they were able to figure out how to pay both, but I kind of wonder if we're not going to start hearing some discussion like that soon with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, whether they can pay because paying two middle linebackers is different than paying two star receivers. So if they can't figure out how to pay Debo and Ayuk, if you had to make the choice, and this is a horrible decision to have to make, but if you had to make the choice, are you keeping Debo or are you keeping Ayuk? Ooh, tough questions here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually think they're, you know, financially kind of works out well for them because Debo is, I think he's entering year one of the extension, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Ayuk will be on his fifth year option next year. So it kind mm-hmm. of sets up where I think both of their contract, ex- I think Ayuk's contract extension as well as Debo's extension kind of lines up um, in time. And, you know, if I, if I was a GM making that decision, I would probably lean Brandon Ayuk and, you know, Debo Samuel, excellent, excellent player. He's just so unique. And especially yeah. what he did at the end of 2021, he basically mm-hmm. carried the 49ers into the right. playoffs, basically to the NFC Championship game on his back, running the ball, catching the ball. And he, he was doing he was doing everything humanly possible for this team. And I just think with Christian McCaffrey in fold now and Brandon, are you kind of taking a step this season? Feels like his role is kind of filled mm-hmm. with those guys and not saying he's still not an effective player. He was still really good last season. Um, but if you were to pick one of the two, I would probably lean Brandon Ayuk. I just think better route runner. Mm-hmm. They would run all the routes in the tree. I think what he brings to the offense is more sustainable. Right? Felt like Debo was more home run hitting plays. Yeah. And it felt like lightning in a bottle in 2021. And he was still able mm-hmm. to do a little bit of that in 2022. Slowed down a little bit. And so I think what Brandon Ayuk brings to the offense is just more sustainable regardless of who your quarterback mm-hmm. is, regardless of what the system is or what you're trying to do, whether that's attack defenses downfield, middle of the field, et cetera. You know, the one thing I think Ayuk can't do that Debo can is just line up in the backfield and be a running back. Yeah. And I think ultimately with your receivers, you know, you would you would want them to be just excellent outside. And I think that's what Ayuk is. And so if I were to pick one, I would probably go Ayuk. He's also been the healthier player. Yeah, and true. So I, I would just lean that way. Yeah, I would completely agree. Brandon Ayuk is so smooth. And I just question how long Debo is going to be able to continue playing at a high level the way that he plays. He's so physical. There was, uh, uh, gosh, which game was it? I I think it was one of the playoff games. 
but he, he it looked like he was gonna be no no wasn't it was it was the Miami game because I just that was just on NFL Network a couple of weeks <laughs> ago and I watched it and it looked like he was gonna be caught in the backfield for like a t- ten yard loss or something like that and he ducked under there was several Dolphin players like four or five of them he ducked under it and escaped from that and almost broke this and so he he's special but at the same time gosh you you mentioned sustainability and i just don't know how long he can sustain that so i i agree with you here's a here's a tough question who starts at right tackle i i think i actually think that's easier than, than the debo uh you question i think it's right. Colton McKivitz. i just think okay. I think they view him pretty highly inside the building. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers along the offensive line, you know, last year have this history of taking um, older guys, replacing them with younger, cheaper replacements, right? Like in mm-hmm. Thompson walks, boom, you got Aaron Banks. Uh, Dan Brunskill, who's a good player, kind of your Swiss Army knife, is able to kind of fill in, kind of as your sixth man off the bench. They decided to plug in Spencer Burford. And they did this weird rotation thing, but still, Burford came in and uh, was the starter on paper. And then a right tackle now, McGlinchey, I think he's going to get probably north of like $15 million annually. So the Niners probably aren't going to aren't gonna pay that, just given all the other guys they have to pay on their team. And I, I just think they're just going to roll with McKivitz, who, you know, pass protecting-wise, probably a little bit better than McGlinchey. Run blocking, maybe not as good. So a slightly different player has played less. Um, I think he filled in one game for Trent Williams this past season. Mm-hmm. I, vividly, I just remember the Week 18 game last year in L.A. Must-win spot. Trent Williams yeah. out, high ankle sprain. They're like, we're going to roll with Colton McKivitz at left tackle, and you're just thinking, oh, my God. There's Von <laughs> Miller on the other side. There's Aaron Donald. There's Leonard <laughs> Floyd. There's Greg Gaines. And you're just like, is Colton McKivitz going to hold up on the road? Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, bandaged. Like, how is this going to work? McKivitz played well that game. And yeah. this credit, I know Trent Williams still t- talks about Colton to this day, given that performance. And so I think the Fortnite is just believing him, obviously making the switch to right tackle here. But I would say he's their in-house leading candidate to start. And I, th- I think he wins it. All right. So the 49ers now have 11 draft picks. Do you think that they stand pat, which is what they did last year, if I remember right? Normally they like to move around a lot uh last year they didn't but do you think they'll they that they might trade up since they don't have a first or second rounder they have three in the third round uh, at the end of the third round but the way that i see it is that there's just no way that 11 rookies are going to make this this team i mean as, as good as they are what do you what do you think they they might do uh come draft day i i kind of think along the lines that you do that 11 rookies aren't going to make an, an impact on this 53 man roster and practice squad. Um, so I, I do see an opportunity there for trading up. However, you know, I think their first pick is what 99. So it's like mm-hmm. 99, 101, 102. And yeah. I looked, if you packaged all three of those picks, you know, according to you know the draft value charts that are out there, you can get up to like pick 60. So it kind of gives you an idea wow. for how far <laughs> they can move up. So it's not yeah. that far. That's the back end yeah. of the second round. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine, you know, they'll wheel and deal for a player that they like, but I don't see them just, you know, turning all those picks and trying to get as far, far up as possible. I imagine their first pick is still going to be around the back end of the third round. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see if they don't, you know, I think they've got three selections in four spots. 
I would imagine they don't make three selections in sport four spots. I imagine maybe they trade up a little bit. Um, or maybe they trade one of those picks for a player. We'll see. But I can't imagine they draft draft three rookies there <laughs> yeah. in four spots. That's yeah, I can't I can't imagine that's happened too often. <laughs> well, what they could do is just trade all of them for fifth round picks and then just own the fifth True. round. And I mean, that's how, that's how you build a championship team, I guess, but they've done well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they've done really well in the fifth. Akash, thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you find Akash on Twitter and give him a follow. And if you're watching uh, this show on, uh, uh, on YouTube, then uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button and you can hit that little bell that's right next to it. And what that's going to do is let you know whenever uh, whenever we are are on. So that way you don't miss out on anything because I'm going to do my best to keep bringing you some great guests like Mr. Akash here. So if you're if you're listening to the audio version somewhere, wherever you listen to your podcast, then uh, please rate, review and subscribe. Follow all those things, all those fancy words. Then uh, we'd love it if you'd do that. Again, thanks for joining us. And Akash, thank you. Um, it's been great talking to you, my friend. Appreciate you for having me. My pleasure.